You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Merry Christmas, if no one's told you that yet. Merry, Merry Christmas. I got to find out, are there any kids in here who are excited about Christmas? Come on, you got to like shout it out, kids. Come on out. Are you excited about Christmas? Are there, all right, you guys, are there any kids in here who are excited about presents? Yeah, yeah, they're coming over over here. Otherwise, like, are we supposed to be subdued? <laughs> parents, let's show them how it's done. Are there any parents in here excited about presents? Woo! Yeah, come on, come on. Woo! Well, it's going to be fun. Christmas is going to be a good time, and it's often the busiest time of year. And just for a moment, I want you to, I know there's lots of things we still got to do. I know that there's lots of details in your mind. And, and for just a minute, will you come alongside with me? Will you just lay all that stuff aside? Because I guarantee you that there's enemy who wants you to be distracted during this hour. And I want for us to just have some time where we can lay that aside. Let's lay it aside and just hear what God would have for us in his word as we kind of come together. It's often the busiest time of year. We get excited about presents and, and uh, some of you have great plans for Christmas, amazing plans. And, and your plans are going to, you know, hopefully go pretty well according to plan, but that's not always the case, is it? In fact, for me, I remember a lot of different Christmases when I was kids, but I really kind of think I remember bits and pieces. As you're getting older, do you relate with me, some of you in the room, right? You don't remember maybe all of them, but you remember just little bits and pieces. And one of the interesting ones that I remember the most is a year that my family, we all got sick, and it was the flu. So we were all like throw up sick and chills and fever. And, and, and literally it was so bad that nobody could take care of anybody. Like we were all like laying out on couches. We spent the night. Nobody even went upstairs. We just all laid around in the living room and everybody had like a pan beside them. And it was just, it was awful because it's like as a kid, you're sick, but you're thinking like, how in the world is it going to happen? And this is supposed to be Christmas. You think it's gonna be a great Christmas, but we're not, we're all sick. In fact, it was so bad, literally. Like relatives would come up and ring the doorbell and leave the presents on the porch and not even stick around. They would just bolt. It was like, I mean, literally, if we were back in the old days, it was like we had, you know, the plague. And we actually are the flags, not the plague. So it's, it's close. But like, they, they treated us like they've got the plague. Like, we don't want it at all. And, and hey, I don't blame them. But the funny thing is, as I look back, I remember thinking like, who's going to get up out of, like, off the couch to go get the presents that are on the porch? And I, this is before we had porch pirates. You might take them off your hands for you. But uh, this was a time I was worried about. I remember being a kid. I'm like, I'm stressed out. I'm so worried about how are we going to get those presents inside? And you know, I look back and I go, of all the great Christmases we have, that's one that I remember, but it was not a good one. It was, it was different than we thought. Our great plans got changed, but in our great plans getting changed, it's one that I actually remember better than ones where all the plans went according to plan. And maybe you can relate a little bit. Here's why you need this message. Through all the joy and all the activity that we do, there's a weird thing that happens in the holidays. There's a weird thing that happens in Christmas. Inevitably, Christmas brings up memories of people that we have lost. Right? It's supposed to be joy, it's supposed to be happy, and stuff, but inevitably, it makes us think about maybe grandparents or parents or spouses or aunts or uncles or children, uh, people that we have lost that aren't there that we feel like should be there. It reminds us that we hate death, we hate it. Like it shouldn't happen and we hate that. We don't like death 
We don't like loss. We don't like unwanted changes. And Christmas is so interesting because you know, at a time where it should be joyful, this, this duality happens. You'll notice we have a memorial tree out in our lobby, and we're remembering those who, that we have lost. And our memorial ministry here has been able to minister too. Why? Because something about the holidays, which should be all this thing, have a dual side, don't they? They have something that brings something else up. They remind us not only of who we've lost, but Christmas also reminds us of things we already know. Things we've heard our entire lives, but we've just kind of forgotten. Or we heard them our whole lives, but we didn't really think that it was going to impact our life right now. But we've heard them in Christmas carols and other things our whole life. Christmas reminds us of those things. Joseph was a man who was betrothed to Mary in the Bible. And what happens is this. A Jewish betrothal looks different than, than what we understand. Uh, it was basically about a year long. It was like engagement on crack because it was absolutely just huge. Like you were legally bound to be married. There was no like, I'm engaged, let me get not engaged. It's either you are legally bound to get married, but you don't, there's no ceremony yet. You don't live together yet. There's been no wedding feast, no wedding ceremony. But for like a year, nine months to a year, you're in this almost contract betrothal period. So Joseph, wanting to get married, has found himself in this contract betrothal period with Mary. And he's excited about that day coming. He's excited about what the plan for the year is. And he's at this point in his life. And I want to pick up in the scriptures. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And again, remember, he's bound legally to marry her and she to him, but she all of a sudden turns up pregnant. So to him, he's going, something went wrong, something happened here, but because even though I'm wounded, even though I'm hurt, even though she broke this contract, it looks like, he says, I'm not going to just publicly throw her out there, but I'm in fact going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to still be a man of respect when disrespect has happened to me. In verse 20, it says this, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name what? Jesus. Yeah, everyone say that out loud, real loud. Jesus. Jesus, that's right. Because he will save his people from their sins. So he has this dream right in the night. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is from Elijah in the Old Testament. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave, them, gave him the name, what? Jesus, right? So here he is, again, his plans have changed. I mean, he, he could have had this dream at night. He could have woken up in the morning and been like, ooh, I had some bad pizza last night. I had crazy dreams, right? Should have not had pizza with mushrooms on it, and he just could have thought, like, that was a thing. Or he could have woken up and he could have been like, no, 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 no. That was a South Pole angel. That's what he was. I'm not listening to that. But he's sitting there and he's, he's actually thinking, you know what? My plans are, are being changed. I've got a choice. Like he's going to think, no way, I'm not doing that. 
This wrecks all my plans. This is not what I wanted my life to look like. This is not what I wanted it to be. And for some people, you got to realize, Joseph had a choice. In that moment, he could have exited the Christmas story right in that moment. He could have just stepped out. He could have exited the Christmas story. We would never know about him. We probably would never hear of him. But he could have exited that very moment from the story. But he began to think, wait a minute. There might be a bigger moment than I had in mind. There might be a larger moment at play than what I think or what I've always known. Maybe the stuff I heard growing up has real meaning for me. Think about that for a moment. Here's this guy, and all of a sudden he's got to think like, maybe, just maybe, there's something bigger going on. He's got a choice to make. Do I believe the angel in my dream, or do I stay as I am? That's the question. The scriptures say this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply means God with us. When people in the Old Testament gave a name, the name described that something was going to happen. A name was intentional. A name was important. And so in the Old Testament, you would read that, and you would just read, you will call him God with us. You wouldn't even necessarily pull apart that name and say it's only Emmanuel or it has to later be Emmanuel. No, the point is Isaiah, as he's forecasting this coming Messiah, is saying what the Messiah represents is that God becomes flesh. God is going to be with us. So you're going to call him God with us. Well, Joseph had heard that. He had been to synagogue. He had been growing up. He had heard the scriptures. And all of a sudden, he's beginning to realize there might be a bigger story that is actually true. What if there's a bigger story going on that actually impacts my life right here, right now? What if that's the case? It was familiar to him. He, he just didn't expect it to have actual meaning for his life, right? Well, that'll happen someday when the Messiah comes. That'll happen to somebody, but he never thought that'll happen to me. He never thought that will impact my plans. But here he finds himself in this situation. Hark, the herald Angels sing, glory to the newborn king. You've heard the newborn king, right? We've heard that growing up. We've heard it our whole lives, that there's going to be this newborn king, and we get sentimental about Jesus, God becoming flesh and being in a humble state, that the creator is now in a humble state dependent upon his creation to sustain him and grow him up and keep him alive. A beautiful picture of God. And you might say, a newborn king, well, I've, I've heard that. I've heard that growing up. But my question today is, could it be that what you've heard growing up has actual meaning for you this year? Could it be that what you've actually heard growing up will make an impact on your life? Could it be that the things you and I have heard and that we have sung about all this time has truth behind it that makes a difference in your life now? Could it be? What if all that cheer and music has roots in reality for you this year, your life. Why did Jesus come as a newborn king? Well, if you're taking notes today in your outline, the first point is this, that God hates death. He hates it. He hates it more than you do. God absolutely hates death. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, the apostle Paul writes, and, and he says this one verse, this one phrase that you may have read before, you might have overlooked before, you might not even have known it was in the Bible before, but it's such a simple phrase, and it's in the midst of a larger argument that he's making that it's really easy to just run past it. But I don't want you to run past it. I want you to catch this moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26 says this, the last enemy to be destroyed is what? Yeah. Is death. Listen, there's an enemy. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. One out of one people die. It's hard to get over that stat. It's hard to get around that stat. We just don't think it's going to be us, do we? We just don't think it's going to be now or it's going to impact us so close. And when it does, it feels like a violation. But I want you to understand that you and I, we hate death. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And if it's going to be destroyed, there's got to be someone who comes along to destroy it. And so God sent us a newborn king, number one, because he hates death. He hates it. It's the product of sin. God did not design death. Death was as the result of sin entering the world. When God created the world originally and the people in the world, he created them for harmony and relationship and everlasting life. But then sin entered the world, and as a consequence, so came death. And God said, I hate death, and I'm going to destroy it someday. That's one of the reasons that Jesus came. It's one of the reasons Jesus suffered loss and death and then conquered it. And one day death will be no more. Isn't that a beautiful thing that the day comes when there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more crying, no more tears for the old order of things, the old way things used to work will be gone because God will have accomplished it and conquered it. And it will be no more. Why? Because the final enemy to be destroyed is death. One of the reasons Jesus came, he came and endured destruction, even of his own physical body and being buried in the grave, but then conquering it, rising to new life because he wanted to put an end to death. Jesus defeated death when he rose from the dead and he will one day finish the job where death shall be no more. He himself conquered it and he'll finish the job. The final enemy to be destroyed is death. God hates it. But until then, you and I, we live in this broken world, don't we? We live in this fallen world, don't we? We live in the in-between. And so when you and I suffer a loss, and sometimes Christmas reminds us of loss, but in the midst of our grief, we have the sweet reminder that God sent Jesus to ultimately destroy death, that there is hope in the future, that there is hope beyond our grief, that God will walk with us, God with us through our grief, through our experience, through our struggle. He took it on himself so that we wouldn't be alone in it. He took it so that one day you and I, praise God, will be free from it. He hates death more than you do. God hates death, and so he gave us the gift of Jesus. God become flesh to dwell among people, to be killed, to be buried, to rise from the dead and conquer death. Here at the church, we do memorials at different times throughout the year, and just not even a month ago, we did a memorial for a young woman. She was in her mid-30s. And uh, she has three kids, and she was down at the Kasumnas River Preserve out on a walk with her family, and she had an aneurysm just instantly. She seemed fine, it had a headache, and then it blew into an aneurysm. They tried to stabilize her at the hospital, and within about a week, she just stroked out and, and died. And this family's in our church, and some of the family members are in this service today, and with their permission, I want to share with you a little bit about that experience, about that service that uh, at that time, her name is Noelle Neal Chacon. And she, uh, 
just, you know, a young mom just doing the best she can for her kids and just loving on them, having a great family, and uh, just was instantly gone. Their Christmas plans look very different than what they expected this year. They look very, very different, and, and uh, we hosted the memorial here, and beforehand, we oftentimes have family kind of back in a green room over this way, and I'm in there with the family, and her little three-year-old boy turns around on his chair, and he's like, mommy died. I said, I know, man, I know. And I could just see him like trying to wrap his mind about what that means. In fact, he's so like attachment shaken right now that he just has to be with his dad all the time. He's just like locked on to dad. Like, dad, don't you go anywhere because mom went somewhere. And I'm trying to get my mind wrapped around it where our hearts are just breaking for the entire family. And let me say, as a church, we will come alongside that family. We will walk with them in community through those experiences. It's not something where we're like, help them out and then it's done. No, we will walk with them. We will love them. We will prop them up. We will allow God to minister to them. And God will become a, as the scriptures say in the Old Testament, God is a father to the fatherless in the same way he'd be a mother to the motherless. And he puts the lonely in families. And some of you have experienced that in your life firsthand. And you know that that's true. You know what that looks like. You know that God is faithful. But here's this three-year-old little little boy and our hearts are just breaking for all of them. And so Josh comes up, and he's, he's right over here, and he's, he's playing a song on his guitar, and he's just, just getting through it. He wrote it himself, and just it's a memorial service. He's just getting through the song, doing a great job, and his son is right by him, right on his leg. And then as kids do, they get a little bored, and so they wander around. So his son wanders right out here to the middle of the stage behind me, just right here. And he, his mom's picture is on the screen behind us. And he turns around and is just looking up like this. And like everybody in the room is just like, right? Oh, and they're just looking, he's just looking up and I'm off the side of the stage and, and nobody else can see it because the kid's got his hands right here, but he starts doing sign language to his mom and he starts spelling out things because they had taught sign to their kids like when, before they could speak, like, do you want more food and different things like that. And so he starts spelling out sign language to his mom and I'm about to lose it, right? I'm going to come out and give like the little address for the message, but I'm about to lose it. And, and, and it's just so hard to see in that moment just that, that we just see that and we're like, oh God, I hate death. We hate it. There's got to be a way out. There's got to be something that's, that's awful. And let me tell you, when you love people, you hate death too. And whenever I do a memorial service, I, I try to find out what a person's name means. It's important for us to understand what people's names mean. One of the greatest things you can understand about the Bible is that names have meaning. And when you find out what the name means, it often describes what's going to happen in their life. And so here Joseph is. He has this dream at night, and he's supposed to name this kid Jesus. But we've got to understand what in the world does Jesus mean. And Jesus means the God who saves. You want to say, what's the meaning of the name Jesus? The meaning of the name Jesus is God who saves. People are like, Jesus never said he was God. Uh, let me be honest. Yes, he did in Scripture time and again. But not only that, the Scriptures in prophecy say that he's God. And his own name describes that he will be the God who saves. His name is Jesus. It's important, right? It's, it's a good thing to have a good name, isn't it? None of us in this room want to be an Ebenezer Scrooge. Parents, please don't name, you know, me Ebenezer Scrooge. You don't want to, at least not the original guy, maybe the guy, you know, later on down the road. But at first, none of us want to be that. We've all been to maybe a memorial service where it was not a good person and they didn't have a good name. In fact, when their name was spoken, everybody's trying to conjure up something good about it, but they're just being pleasant because it's really not a good name. In fact, you wouldn't want to name your kid that name if it reminds you of that memory, right? 
It's a good thing to have a good name, isn't it? It's a great thing to have a good name and to be a good person, to be a good person with a good name. And let me tell you about Noel, uh, Noel Neil Chacon. That she was a good woman with a good name. And her first name is Noel. Pretty obvious, but her name means Christmas. I looked it up. Her name means Christmas. And let me tell you, for people who knew Noel, they said that was their experience. When they were around Noel, it felt like Christmas. Because she was just great personality, just loved her kids. Was being, she was a good woman with a good name. I didn't know what her middle name means, and so I looked it up. Neil means champion. Her name means Christmas champion. I want you to understand something. Jesus is the Christmas champion. And even at the memorial service to Noel's family and to, to Josh, her husband, that her very name was proclaiming that, listen, there is a Christmas champion. We hate death. We hate that it's gone. We hate that it went this way. But there is a Christmas champion, and he's real, and she's face-to-face -face with him right now. And that Jesus came. There was a newborn king because you and I need a Christmas champion. We need someone to conquer death. Jesus Christ is that Christmas champion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, it says the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If the final enemy to be destroyed is death, there must be a Christmas champion who would destroy it and that Christmas champion's name is Jesus it's real and it impacts your life. It impacts my life. Somewhere deep down, you already know it. I mean, even when you say the name Jesus Christ out of hurt or surprise, you say that name because there's power in the name of Jesus. You already know it. It already comes out of your mouth that way. You never stub your toe and say, oh, Buddha! That's laughable. But there's power in the name of Jesus. Why? Because the final enemy to be conquered is death. And Jesus is the Christmas champion. But let me tell you, you've heard this. You know it. You've heard it year after year. Somewhere deep inside, you already know what I'm talking about. In fact, listen to these words from Christmas carols. You've heard this. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And again, come to Bethlehem and see Christ, whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn king. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And later, here's the gospel in this song. Mild, God lays his glory by. He's born, why? So that we may no way die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. And then you've heard Noel. Noel, Noel, Noel. Born is the king of Israel. You've heard it before. You know that it means Christmas. And Jesus is telling you today that there is a Christmas champion. Your choice and mine is to believe that Jesus is God and that he came to defeat your death and he came to defeat your sin and to receive his offer of eternal life. See, in Noel's memorial service, it was so clear that there is a Christmas champion. She could have passed back in April. She could have passed in June. 
but it was now and God is speaking through her life through her her living even to her children that there as they grow up they will know there is a Christmas champion and his name is Jesus the reason that there's a newborn king is God became flesh and dwelled among us but he conquered death so that those you and I years later could confess our sins receive his forgiveness and have eternal life he is our Christmas champion it was awesome he conquers death as people heard that message just a couple weeks ago over 25 people just laid aside whatever they thought of Jesus before and they believed in Jesus for the very first time and received him as their Lord and Savior at that memorial service we give it up for that that is just good news why because we've known it all along it's been spoken to us all along for Joseph it was the Old Testament saying that a virgin will give birth to the Messiah but now Jesus is saying listen you've heard it all along and you haven't realized that beyond all the wrappings beyond the fable beyond the decorations there is a Christmas champion in your choice is to either go on with business as usual or to receive him as Lord to give him all your hurt, to give him all your sin, to give him all your failures and your shame, that those things were nailed to Jesus on the cross, that he paid for them in full. And he says, I've come to conquer death and give you eternal life, but I'm a gentleman. You must receive it. I've done all the work, but you must take that final step. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just thinking about your own life, I wanna ask, do you know Jesus as the Christmas champion? Have you received him into your life as Lord? Have you invited him and say, God, I believe in you. I don't, I don't have it all together. I don't know where it all is, God. But I believe in you, that you are my Christmas champion. And right now, right where you're seated, if that's you today, you're saying, I need to invite Jesus into my life. I need to surrender to him. I need to receive his offer of forgiveness and eternal life. Then right where you're seated, will you just pray a prayer like this after me? Jesus, today I give you me. I ask you to come into my heart to make me a new creation. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe it was nailed on the cross to you that you died, that you were buried, that you rose to new life because you were God. I receive your forgiveness and your peace because today, Jesus, I give you me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.